0: For many, this is not a great chat. Your stress levels are already starting to rise as we, you know, as you sit there right now. Um, I know that it's a hard conversation. That for many folks, actually, the idea of doing anything above and beyond and this big exciting plan—we're all going to build something together—like I can only barely make it to the end of every month myself. My budget barely reconciles, and you know, this whole church conversation can seem quite tasteless if you're actually struggling. I'm sensitive to that. And what we're going to do is just look at Scripture, see some principles for how we want to live, um, and then actually trust that we are set even more free, that you shouldn't walk out of here under any more pressure than you arrived under, that in fact God's plan for you is to feel less pressure than you currently feel, uh, that He's got a joyful, free way for you to live uh, in mind. And so that's the first thing to say, that I don't want you to feel like there's going to be any coercion or any funny glances that we're all going to give in different ways, and some of those might be financial, and some of those might be other ways, and we're trusting that God sets all of us free, uh, whatever that might mean. The other thing I know is that for some people, a conversation about money and church is tricky because the church has a patchy record in this area, Um, and I, I suppose I might as well tell you now that the plan is for me to have a private jet. I was going to save that for the last week. Um... But, no, joking aside, I understand that for some of us it's like, oh, well, you know, churches haven't always got this right, or you may have heard rumors, many of which in this neighborhood are actually not based on that much truth, but the rumors do this, you know, the rounds of of pastors just wanting to get your money or churches wasting it in some way, and I understand all of that. I'm sensitive and sympathetic to all of that, but it couldn't be less relevant. It couldn't be less relevant, because what we're actually discussing is your relationship with your money and your relationship with God and my relationship with my money and my relationship with God and that he has some principles and some ways that he as a good father wants to dare all of us to trust him a little bit more and enjoy our relationship with our resources more and whether some churches and some places that sometimes have been wise or unwise honest or dishonest actually couldn't have anything less to do with this conversation because it's not my job to worry about what other people are doing with the money entrusted to them it's my job to worry about what I'm doing with the money entrusted to me and so with all the sensitivity and sympathy, and like, I know this might be hard, like, I hope you've sort of heard that, and now we're not going back there again. No more caveats, no more apologies, because we're going to look at something beautiful and inspiring that God has in mind for us. And uh, I would like to invite Dave to come and join me up here. And the conversation today is going to be about the idea of generosity. None of you want to be known as Stingy, right? You wouldn't mind being stingy, but you don't want to be known as stingy. You don't want a reputation for being stingy. Um, And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that all of us actually long to be generous. And it's because you're designed in the image of a generous God. In other words, your default setting is to be generous. That's actually who you are. And many of you in this church express that a lot. I see how much generous stuff goes on here. There's all these cool moments. I can think of just that I know directly four or five different people in the church who at different times here God encouraged them to give a little bit of cash to someone and the story always goes that they um and ah and they feel like they really have to and they put a little bit of cash across and it always turns out to be like the exact amount needed at the exact moment when that person's pet was at the vet or whatever those kinds of stories are so cool that's what goes on here and they're not always financial there are loads of people in this church who give meals to people when they're struggling there's um others here I just want to make Abigail embarrassed again. She's doing A B today. Abigail arrived here, new to the church, caught you all on a bad day and no one was particularly friendly to her on her first day. Shame on you. Stuck around anyway because God <laughs> said she should join this church and uh, started serving, started giving and then I remember on Easter when we were doing the sunrise service, I think like I maybe said three words to Abigail. Uh, I was one of the people who should be shamed for not being very friendly. And um, we get the call, hey, just thinking about the sunrise service and you and Bern are going to be busy, would you like me to just hold David for you all morning? That's generosity, right? That's beautiful. And you hear those stories and many of the others that go on here, the little stories and the someone gave our youth pastor a car the other day, like all those stories. And you think, awesome, I want to be part of a community that's generous. Mm -hmm. You are a generous person at your core. So if generosity is something that we're wired to enjoy and something that we love to see in the community, um, then Dave is the right person to talk to us about it. Because Dave is... He just maybe it's because he's just too dumb or his memory's too bad or whatever but like, he can't think of the reasons not to be generous he hasn't worked the reasons out that you and I have figured out about why you, know, you can overdo it and you should be sustainable and you should be wise and what about you know. Dave doesn't think that stuff Dave is just radically generous, it always has been uh, and I'm trusting that as he shares some of the journey God has taken him on it kind of infectious uh, and, and contagious and that, and that thing that is in you that longs to be generous can just be fanned back into flame um, but before we just tell you about Dave, uh, which would be a worthwhile thing to do. I mean, this whole sermon could just be like, be like Dave. Dave's great. No, <laughs> um, but no, but, uh, but it's, that wouldn't be totally right. There's a few things, like your hairstyle, that you should hang on to. Um, but, uh, but actually, we're going to start with some scripture. Um, and Because there's a, there's a biblical idea here. Uh, and we're going to go to, I think, one of the most politically incorrect pieces of scripture in your Bible. It's sitting in there, burning away, waiting for you to read it and be offended. Uh, and if you want to open there, you can go there right now. It's in the second letter to the Corinthians. Fun fact, that's actually probably the third letter to the Corinthians, but God decided not to save the second letter to us, so we've got one and three in the Bible. Um, anyway, that was totally irrelevant. So the second <laughs> um, letter to the Corinthians, uh, chapter 8, this is Paul speaking to a church about how well another church gives. Can you cope? Like, imagine Asatia, or let's just read what Paul says. So, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So, he's writing to the people of Corinth. Macedonia is inland of Corinth. They're competitive with one another. The Corinthians think that they're highfalutin and and their society is more advanced and that the backward inlanders, you know, they've, they've... got like a stressed relationship between the two of them Uh, and so paul's describing what's going on in macedonia you can imagine the corinthians pricking their ears up going what do you mean god's doing something great in macedonia surely not he goes on they're being tested by many troubles and they're very poor but they're also filled with abundant joy which is overflowed in rich generosity for i can testify that they gave not only what they could afford but far more and they did it of their own free will that's very important They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. There's a church in Jerusalem under massive economic pressure, and so other churches are going to put money into keeping that work going. They even did more than we'd hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. Imagine... I just sat here saying, hey, so you know there's a church on the corner who have always been great neighbors to us, right? Cleve Harvest, whose name is now Open Skies. And I imagine I just sat there going, do you know what they tithe there? Do you know what their percentage of givers are there? <laughs> You'd be like, I mean, you're probably already halfway out the door. Like, I just shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be, you know, provoking some competitiveness or, or saying, well, in this side of Olive Tree, we do okay, but do you know what the Florida Road guys are doing? Like, you oh, suck compared to the Florida Road. <laughs> okay, and, and about money, to talk that way about money, it's just like you would rather we spoke about your sex life. Then that we spoke about that. Like as far as dark places to not go and privacy and shit, like I don't want you to talk about my bank balance, for goodness sake. And compare me to how someone else is doing. Forget. But that's exactly what Paul does. And over 2,000 times in Scripture, God is this politically incorrect and starts talking to us about our finances and our resources and our relationship with Him. Because He understands just how influential the way we use our money is for the way our hearts are going to grow. Nothing is better connected than what you're doing with your resources, leads and fuels the thing that is going on in your heart, which is really important. So that's the principle here. There's a generosity that is so deeply good for you that it's worth provoking you to, to being encouraged in that area. So I want to ask Devo uh, to talk about that. But enough of all this sort of spiritual, happy, clappy, yeah, it's all great stuff. You've been giving often and in um, more or less responsible ways. Dish up the dirt. Like, where's it gone pear shaped? What are the reasons not to? Where have you given and, and regretted it? We, we know there must be stories like that. So tell us those kinds of stories.
1: Um, yeah, and your comment about me being a bit dumb and memories is quite uh, close to the truth, I think. It's more close than I care to admit, especially the memory part. <clears throat> what was your question?
0: <laughs>
1: no, I've had some. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't, you know, the, the outcome or, or the I like to call it the fruit of the generosity hasn't been as we expect. Um, a couple of years ago I was caretaking a business um, and this attorney firm kept phoning in and trying to speak to one of the staff about money she owed to them for some services so fees um, and uh, yeah, it sort of started to bug me and I found out what it was about. She had a custody battle on with her ex-husband for a child, her daughter um, and obviously my heart sort of <laughs> sort of melting there, um, and, but then I thought, let me try and get a little bit cunning with this, um, and she was a smoker, she smoked, and uh, I think I've gone on a little bit of an anti-smoking rant recently, and then, um, it's possibly the silliest thing a human could do, other than watch uh, binge watch the Kardashians, or something like that. Um, <laughs> but you're all welcome in this church. Yeah, but, 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 but other, than, other than that, you're not judged at all. Um, <laughs> Uh, did I mention the attorney's bill? Um, being high, I won't judge attorneys either. I have got a good friend who's one <laughs> in the court. Yeah, um, and yeah, so I made this deal with her that if you stopped smoking over three, you know, or stopped, and I would pay the bill off over three months. And um, and it worked. You know, she stopped and we all celebrated. Her health got better and all those things. And um, I think on the last payment I made to the attorney firm, everyone was happy. I think on that day she started puffing more than she ever had. So I remember feeling a bit despondent there. Um, also a few years back, I was, uh, when I was still down at Florida Road, uh, there was a young guy that, you know, was battling with his... Uh, Living expenses, he actually didn't have anything. Um, and so he told me, and uh, so I helped him for many months with his living expenses. Turned out that I found out later there was quite a few people doing the same. So he had a great business model. I think he was making more than all of us put together. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I even funded yeah, he, uh, his family trip down to the Eastern Cape back home, um, whereas it turned out that it was a, an escape trip. I think he had been found out and he was. Um, you know, ducking, and I even funded that trip. So, yeah, and <laughs> it doesn't always go right. And I think, you know, I haven't, you know, for guidance for you, I, I perhaps didn't follow Holy Spirit, you know, close enough or get guided close enough on those and other experiences. Um, and, uh, yeah, generosity is from the heart, um, but you need to involve your mind as well.
0: It's, um, it's probably easy for us to think about times when people have been scammed or there's been a negative. There's sort of been negative fruit for the generosity. In a moment, I'm going to ask you about how important the fruit actually is. Mm. I suspect that the fruit's really not the point. Um, But I just want to say one other reason why generosity can sometimes be done badly or have a bad end result is uh, is a bit of a mysterious one. But if we're not just talking about giving a little bit to the SPCA or giving a little bit of charity, but we're talking about faithful, brave, spiritual generosity, which is bigger than that. Um, I've sometimes seen in church where there's a great deal of momentum there's a great deal of hype there's maybe a little bit of pressure this is all what we do and someone gets very excited and gives beyond the actual amount of faith that they have which is an interesting idea it's like actually you had faith to give x and but by whatever coercion or you know winning smile from the pastor uh, if he has one of those you've given more than you had faith for and and god is always going to end up looking after you you will never regret taking a faith step but i have seen for some folks when this has gone beyond a faith step and now this is some kind of man-pleasing thing where it can actually end that you're just more stretched than you had the faith to cope with um yeah i'll reiterate taking faith steps is always a good idea in any area of our lives that's how we grow is when we do more than makes sense and we trust god to come through but it always needs to be willing it always needs to be Authentic to what you actually have faith for. And there is a risk that some people just, you know, blow the, uh, so go so far beyond the limits of the faith that they actually had and then that ends up being a really uncomfortable place to be. Uh, and no one here would want you to do that. Um, but Devo, yeah, I alluded to this idea that maybe it's not so much about the fruit um, or the consequence that goes on there. So tell us about, well, firstly, I suppose, tell us some great stories of where it's gone well and
1: then let's go into what that actually does in you. Yeah, so I'll touch on that, that before I tell the, the good stories. Um, that for me, and I think the reason God talks about money so much in the Bible, um, it's not necessarily the fruit of the generosity that we need to always concentrate on. That's great if your generous giving results in something really fruitful. Um, I think the primary reason for generosity is to... Um, release the hold that money might have in our heart. Uh, God tells us very clearly you can't serve both masters, both Him and money. Um, and believe me, I've been down there. I know it's uh, money's a really poor master to serve. Um, so it, even if it does go a little bit pear like those do, you've you know it's it's really good for you to to sort of right size money, to put money in its rightful place, which is a nice resource. It's a great resource. So yeah, I think that's um, does that answer that your yeah, first first question? Yeah. Um, then yeah, some some that had gone right a few months ago. I was down at Florida Road at the at there. Olive Tree there, and a lady came up to me and after the service um, and said, "Oh, I just want to say thank you so much. My my daughter's healed from from depression." Um, now I'm sort of inwardly claiming this because my healing success rate if you're allowed to have something like that is a bit decidedly average and <laughs> so I thought yeah I've claimed one but fortunately she said you know that counsellor you enabled for her uh, and then it clicked my memory came through where um, there was a, count- a- she was, the daughter was in Cape Town actually so I hadn't even met the daughter let alone prayed for her but um, she had a- there was a counsellor that Sam and I knew in fact his husband her husband delivered Brit huh? would, would you say that he did that yeah He's a gynecologist, so yeah, her husband. But you know, she's a a medical doctor and she's gone especially into uh, depression counseling. And uh, this lady couldn't afford it uh, for her daughter, and I was able to um, pay for a couple of sessions of counseling. And her daughter was healed. That you know, so um, I think, uh, yeah, God's been really gracious to me, he's given me just enough memory to remember not to put my foot in it and be embarrassed like I would have done, but not enough memory to be proud of the things I've done. So, um, so it's worked well. Um, Another story, quick story is, yeah, I've got a I've been mentoring a guy for eight to nine years now, a guy called Spool Wonder who. yeah, just with time and money um, and resources, as much as I can, give him. And uh, yeah, he's grown from sort of being a small business guy, two, three staff. He's now got four separate businesses. Um, he employs over 60 people. Um, in the in the in the community up in Hillcrest, um, wonderful guy. He's um, yeah. We actually starting just started in fact we registered a new business together, which is nice called Upper Highway Artisan Academy, um, because we've realised and I think yeah, country's starting to realise that it's great degrees are great. You know, obviously we need that, but we need trade as well. Um, people with trades. So uh, the academy is to train artisans. Um, And we've started that. It's going to be based up in Hillcrest. We're starting with um, welding and electrical contracting. And then we're going to move on to uh, panel beating, which is quite a a bit in short supply as well. Auto auto electricians, rather. Very short supply there. And then motor mechanics. So, yeah, it's just... um, so it was on his heart to start that, and that, for me, this journey that I've had with Spoo has been amazing, because he has become exceedingly generous, and it's wonderful to watch how he's done that, you know, so, yeah, I think generosity is contagious, you know, it, you, know you spend time with people who are generous, and it kind of, yeah, it rubs, it's a nice infection to get, you know, um, so yeah, it's been been good. Dave's trying to play it down, he is overflowing with joy about the Spoo story, and what's gone on there, and...
0: Spoo, not And this sort of knock-on effect of God did something in Devo which caused him to then be generous, and now Spoo's being generous, and there's all kinds of good fruit in the neighborhood. Mm. I want to um, just draw your attention to something, that as you're listening to this, I suspect there are almost like schizophrenic reactions to these stories. It's probably a part of you thinking, yes, that's so great. I'm so stoked to hear these kinds of stories. And there's another part of you that's possibly a little skeptical. Oh, here we go again. Oh, go, Dave. That's so great. You earn more than I do anyway. And rah, rah, rah. Don't be unaware of the fact that we live in a world that is governed by two kingdoms, that there is an old, selfish, dying kingdom that's still very much at force, even if it's no longer legitimate. And then there's this new kingdom breaking through. And if you're a follower of Jesus or investigating faith, you have a little bit of the evidence of both of those still at war inside us and even as we've been transferred into a new kingdom there's still some old kingdom way of thinking which means that when we talk about generosity like this another great example is when we talk about forgiveness what we're saying is i'm going to deliberately do what doesn't come naturally there's some default intuitive routes that i would normally go that make sense in the natural kingdom but to grow in the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to have to deliberately do what seems irrational and unnatural and go against my intuition and do something counter-cultural. Forgiving, forgiving people is like that. What? You're crazy. Forgive someone, give them an opportunity to possibly hurt you again, let them off the hook instead of fighting for justice, trust God to bring justice. Like, no, that's a crazy way to think. But in the kingdom, which works totally differently, that's the best thing you could do. And so you, you act in the opposite spirit to what would normally come naturally. And generosity is the same. This big faith giving where it's like, I'm not going to provide for myself and save up and be in control and make sure money gives me all the pleasures and securities that it promises. I'm going to do this totally irrational, counterintuitive thing of giving it away and then trusting that God is going to provide and protect. Mm. Working in the opposite spirit like that is totally how you're going to grow in the kingdom. But there may be, as we're listening today, a part of us going, oh, this sounds ridiculous, and another part going, yeah, that sounds really attractive. Just notice that that might be going on inside yourself and go, okay, cool. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of what the kingdom of God calls me to live like. I'm going to give life to that part of myself as opposed to just giving into a slight cynicism or skepticism or thinking this is for someone else. hope that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, Devo, talk to us a little bit more about what you're trusting this can do in us. Uh, so you've spoken about fruits and great outworkings in society. What are you hoping for for us
1: as a people? What would go on inside us if we were to grab hold of generosity? Um, yeah, well, just to also touch on what you said now about um, perhaps it looks easier for others because they've got a lot, you know, and can give a lot. And, I've, I've, yeah, I've been really blessed in that place in my life. really... Um, got some successful businesses and stuff like that, and I obviously save quite a lot on shampoo. So I have got, um, I have got extra, and I can, you know. But uh, it's it's really Generosities for, you know, for everyone. Um, Paul teased the bald guys earlier, and there's scripture in 2 Kings 22 about teasing bald people. Go and look it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we won't care. But, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, maybe what would help with that question is what it's done for me. And, you know, and, 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 and I know and expect the same for you. Um, what, it's, what it's done really helps your heart. It's been generosity has been really, really good for my heart. Um, like really good. Um, we're not we're struggling with depression a year or so ago. Um, Obviously, to mental illness, and my mind was kind of you know, under attack and, and ill. and uh, But my heart was strong, and I was able, even through those times, even though it didn't feel like being generous and sort of overflowing with joy, I, I, I was still able to, and it really helped my heart. you know. So as I got through and getting out of it, it it's, yeah, I think that's been big for me. I think relationships, yeah, very um, generosity really strengthens relationships, and I've seen that in people I've managed to engage with and help their... Um, like our I now become really close friends, really good friends, and it's yeah. So it's, it builds those type of relationships. But my relationship with God's also matured through this. Where um, at at one stage I was kind of charging and doing what I thought I had to do as a sort of newly saved kingdom uh, soldier, and I was really just signing up for everything and charging hard, and you know, and and being generous with my time, lots of it, and and with money. And um, it was perhaps too much. I took on too much. And I'm not saying you can't do that. But if you do, just guard yourself on that. Just uh, make, make sure the balance is right. So, yeah, I've, I've learned. And I'm, I'm being a lot more... Careful with my time, a lot less generous. I'm trying not to be selfish with my time, but a lot less generous with it, and uh, a bit more, you know, just focusing on the money aspect, because I think that's where sort of the gifting comes in. So, you know, I'd love to see that kind of happen with you, you know, um, where it's got an internal change, as I say, it doesn't just have external fruits. I think the internal change is, is, if not more important uh, than that. Um, I think for me, you can all be generous with the most generous thing you can do for people is to tell them about your Savior. And give them your testimony. You can't be, in my view, more generous than that. And we can all do that. I mean, it's the it's most wonderful gift to tell someone about what God's done for you, you know? Um, yeah, so I think that oh, it might help. I, I just want to talk about two godly principles on the back of that, Paulie. Um, the one was from two... Glasses, yeah. Two... <laughs> 2 Corinthians 9, just out of that scripture. Um, But they were also filled, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. That's a beautiful scripture. So I can only think that abundant joy came from the truth that they heard heard the gospel, believed it, and filled the Holy Spirit. I can't see why else they would have been so joyful in that time being poor and all the rest of it. So the motivation for that generosity was because they had been given something. Um, they had been given the, the greatest gift of all time. I mean, there's no, there's no higher gift of generosity or better gift than I've ever seen than what God did for us. He sent his son to, um, out, of, out of heaven to, to earth and on the cross for us. So I think that joy that they felt because of that overflowed. It had no place to go other than to, to generosity. Um, so I think that's, that's quite helpful. Um, it, it, it helps me, I know, reminding myself of that because I do sometimes start feeling a bit stingy, um, perhaps a bit selfish with my money, and I remind myself on that, on the gift I've been given, this beautiful life I've got now and this eternal life I've got with, with, with God and uh, what it does from my hand holding the money to just opening it out. So as, as the joy flows, as you remind yourself of that, then the g- generosity flows on the back of that. Um, the second principle is from 2 Corinthians, um, and it does tie into that, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Um, I've seen this, guys. It's, 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 I've seen it in my life. Um, I've seen it in many others. People who really sow generously. Now, I know Paul alluded to it a bit. Where this has got people have got this wrong, and it's called prosperity gospel and certain other things. Um, and and I've seen that, you know. And yeah, I, I think potentially sometimes they, those guys view God as some type of giant ATM where it's a transactional thing, you know, um, where you sow and reap. Tenfold, um, and starts become a transaction. Now, it's—I it's, think the only the fault with that, although it's absolutely true. You sow generously, you will reap generously. Um, I've seen that, but it's from the motivation. If you're doing it from a motivation, that it's of generosity to God for what He's done for us. But if you're doing it for a motivation that I'm just I know I'm going to get this, so i 'm going to sew here because I'm going to get tenfold or one hundred fold so I, I just really urge you to keep that motivation of generosity right it's 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 an overflowing of joy like these people in macedonia um, and it can only extend into generosity, so yeah, I hope that kind of helps from a from a principal point of view. Two awesome principles and, and uh, yeah, I'd love you to sort of just work you know work work with those two principles and, and hold them in sort of intention. Um, and it really just frees you up. Yeah.
0: Okay, you've been telling me that you want to start interrogating me now about this plan I alluded to at the beginning. So, far away.
1: Yeah, so, you know, and then the church of Macedonia, they have obviously were giving. It's a corporate giving they gave together, which expanded the kingdom. So, yeah, I want to know what, you know, there's no pressure, but what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Kluf, what's Clue's plan to expand The kingdom.
0: Um, So, I suppose the first thing to say is that this is totally about you and your relationship with God. That's the goal. So, we have this building plan. We've got this idea that we believe God has given us. And it is going to happen. If God's in it, it will happen. Regardless of your journey in it. So, yeah, these two things are in some ways actually quite separate. But anyway, if you're interested to know what we believe we're going to do. the, The hope is to create a space, a built space in this neighborhood that creates the conditions of the kingdom of God even for people who don't yet know about God. Now, any good architect or any good social scientist will tell you that the built environment can affect the way people behave and feel. In certain places where windows are broken and things are disorderly and disorganized, crime goes up, depression goes up. In a place that's beautiful and crafted correctly, that creates the right collaborations in society, crime goes down, creativity and happiness goes up. So it is clearly possible that if you apply the wisdom of God to creating a space, we can do really good things for this neighborhood. Uh, That's the desire, that in the fabric of what we build, there would be a home for our church that is more functional and suitable to what we are trusting God is going to grow us into. Um, But one of the huge things that's missing in our society is any kind of tertiary institution up here. Which means all the best and brightest have to go away. And when you lose students, you lose all the optimism and all the civil energy that students bring and all that creative thought. Mm. Uh, And so a huge thing that I would just love, if it were up to me, would be to get a university up here. Well, maybe the church has enough authority on this earth that it actually is, to some extent, up to us. that you can say, great, we want this in our neighbourhood, so we're going to make it happen. And so what we build would have, as at least one big tenant or potentially two of the tenants, um, people like Varsity College, but the slightly more niche more interesting um tertiary institutions that are training in design training in coding training in whatever uh, and if if you can just imagine the property that's got 100 students on it studying various different things to build our nation mm. um, and then in that same space lineage coffee shop and some other great um you know retail spaces i say lineage because the guy who owns this part of our church and is very keen to move it and i think lineage is a picture actually because he felt God calling him to build it this way. Lineage is a picture of how society can be great. Like everyone's welcome there and this is something that moves the networking and momentum of, of our little neighborhood forward. So Craig would come and join us, Lineage would move over uh, and a few other great outlets like that where you can get some really good food, really good local produce and then some lovely commercial space where you can have some, uh, you know, offices of the, of the right people there. Now you've got a whole bunch of reasons to be on that property. This isn't just some church building where you have to, be re- honestly brave enough to risk hanging out with Christians. I mean, who would choose to do that if you weren't already one? But instead, this is just a venue that's great to be at, and I'm going to drop my kid off because whatever we built for Sunday school is going to be the best creche you've ever seen during the week. And so your kids are going there, and you're paying to have your kids in a great creche, and then you're dropping off your teenager to go and learn how to be the future of our nation at the cool tertiary thing. And then you stop off for a good coffee, or you buy your groceries from the grocer, or whatever, or you're coming to a meeting because you're Insurance broker has his office there. Oh, and by the way, Olive Tree Church also meets here in that venue where we sometimes go for political debates or we sometimes go when there's a gig or a theater. And then occasionally there are these courses that run there that I think the church has something to do with, like on parenting or this thing called Alpha. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I'm going to go to that place where we normally get our coffee because it's running there. Oh, actually, there's church services that happen here on a Sunday as well. And the whole thing should be a bit of a landmark in our in our neighborhood of a kind of melting pot where there's loads and loads of different reasons to be there and the way it's designed and the tenants that we've chosen promote the values of the kingdom of God before people even know whose influence they've come under. That's the goal. Um, There are so many brilliant churches up here. There are so many thousands of people who are not yet, don't have space to be in those churches. So there's an unreached people group. But more than that, there's nothing like this that just is a center for society to be really healthy, which the church can actually sneakily behind the scenes be the one that orchestrated. I'm, I'm really excited for us in years from now to be driving past going, I was part of that. I mm-hmm. built that thing. Um, and the architect we have on board is probably South Africa's best. He designed the constitutional court in Pretoria. Um, and so this thing is going to be beautiful as well. It's going to stimulate optimism and creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the plan. And the smart people who are crunching the numbers and talking about square meters and so on are saying with the right amount of tenants and the kind of tenants that we want and the way the church can create foot traffic this should be sustainable. Mm. So we will give in faith that Olive Tree will be a shareholder in it, but there'll be other, um, it'll make good business sense for the bank to get involved and so on so that this thing actually makes money and we're not going to have to fund it for the rest of time, but it'll actually be self-sufficient and generate a little bit of a nest egg and future to plant the next church in a place where they can't afford to do so. So yeah, the hope is that this isn't just a beautiful place, but that the model's really creative and Mm. and sustainable.
1: And yeah, probably for the less smart people like me, I've also looked at the model and I think, you know, from a, yeah, From every point, kingdom, business point of view, it's it, it's amazing. It looks beautiful. So attractional, evangelical. You know, It's just going to be an awesome place. And on the back of that, there's going to be asking, and you're going to have to do that. So I've got one last question before we wrap up. So we might get asked or called to sow into this. Um, do we put our tithing on hold to sow? What is your... You know, it's a really easy question, so here you go. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Tithing,
0: uh, for those that need to be caught up is this idea that that Christians get from scripture which is that every month or in whatever sequence you are paid that you Voluntarily give a first fruit of that, a first percentage of it. Uh, You don't wait to the end of the month to check if you've actually got any leftover money or not, but at the very beginning of every month uh, or every harvest you say the first fruits of this are going to God, I'm putting God first Mm -hmm. in this place. And it's a really brave thing to do, totally. I'm I'm so inspired by everyone who does this, that at the beginning of a month not knowing what's coming, knowing how tight things are, that we would still sow bravely and trust God. Um, I I think my answer to that would be if you're on that tithing journey, if, and for some folks it's a huge faith adventure to even be doing 1% or 2% a month. And it's, to me, the best way for you to grow. It's the most potent thing you can do to kill the hold that money has in your life, to create more freedom and more joy, um, and to grow in faith and intimacy with God. Is to partner in this ancient principle that existed as an act of worship before the law was reinforced and commended by Jesus after the law. This is not some Old Testament thing. This is a people of God thing. That out of trust and love for Him, we put Him first in, our, in the fruits that we, we receive. So... The building project will happen. I'm obviously super excited and trusting God that it will, but it will happen regardless. I would prefer if people aren't tithing that they do that. Even if you don't trust this church, tithe somewhere else. Do it for four months. Keep your proof of payment. If it is a disaster and doesn't work, we'll give you your money back. I'm so convinced, honestly, that this is going to grow you and release blessing into your life whether financial or otherwise, that that is just totally the smartest thing you can do. And as a pastor who's supposed to care more about your health than about building this beautiful thing, it would be crazy for me to say, no, stop doing that thing, which is so obviously good for you to do this thing. Having said that, there is this opportunity, which I'm really excited about as someone who, since varsity, has sort of, you know, learned the tithing thing and enjoyed that principle and that way to live. These over and above moments are really exciting where you get to say, okay, God, let's, mm-hmm. let's get brave here. I wonder if I could pull off... You think we could give away a four-month salary? That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I have the faith to do that. Or How would I, over the next three years, choose to sow into this money that I had earmarked to do something at my home or go on that holiday or, or you know, it was, was going to go into the bond or whatever, but I'm going to trust God to make up for that and, and go on a facial adventure, faith adventure with Him and use that money somewhere else. And I would hate for anyone to miss out on that, even if it's like I'm going to give... Three grand away over the year that I would otherwise not have given away. Like if that's the thing that you and God are chatting about, that's so fun. I'm really looking forward to that experience in my own life over the next little while for Burn and I to go. Yes, there's this principle and it's monthly and it's part of our diet with God, and then there's this over and above extra thing that we get to do, uh, which is really exciting and thrilling. Um, and so I know we're over time, but I just want to tell you a story about someone who's no longer in our church who just got this because all of us are like squirming such a hard thing to talk about and um, he was a guy who was successful um, and worked for a very big corporate and they highly valued the skills that he brought and so he was being promoted and earning more and more and didn't really enjoy his job I kind of stimulated his brain, but he couldn't see any kingdom reason for it or any point. Um, And he suddenly had this moment where he rushed up to me after a church service and said, I've just figured out the point of my life, the reason I I exist, this is going to be good. And uh, and he said, I've suddenly worked out that I work so that I can fund the kingdom of God. Like I make this money so that I can use it to grow the kingdom. And I said, well, that's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And then he was describing how he and his wife had decided they were going to peg their standard of living at this sort of reasonable, normal, middle of the road standard of living. Even though they were earning an exceptional amount, they'd chosen that their standard of living was this was perfectly fine. Uh, and then anything extra that they were gonna earn, they were gonna go on this adventure of like, well if ten percent is the starting point in the Bible. Let's see if we can get to twenty. Uh, and then they'd get to twenty. And then for a while that would be great. And then they'd see if they could get further. And he was so free, Devo, that there was a A while ago, he got an unusual bonus. We were trying to do some stuff at Toletando Children's Home. You guys all bought a van, uh, if you remember that car that we all bought. And he came up to me and said, I I have this extra amount. Um, I just want you to know the tithing is going to stay the same, but I'm going to give this extra amount there. Uh, And then every now and then as I get this, he was getting some dividend or whatever, that's going to go in as well as a separate Mm. thing, but my tithing amount is going to stay the same. And I was just like initially wanting to go, I don't need to know. I'm not like this is awkward. Why are you telling me that's your deal? And then I realized he had a gift of giving. And if someone in this church had a gift of teaching, we would say, crack on, go big, try harder, express yourself more. If someone in this church has a gift of playing a musical instrument, we'd say, get on stage, practice, push yourself. There are many people in this church, I think, who have a gift of giving. But because we're all awkward about it, we don't say, push yourself, go huge, enjoy it, express this gift that you've given to the church. And, and I remember he, they were then moving down to the North Coast and they've joined Olive Tree North Coast and he came up to me saying, Paul, is it a big deal? Like, I want to go there. Should I keep tithing here or should I tithe there or should I drift it over because I don't want the budget to be affected? And it was just the beauty of his freedom. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we love blessing North Coast. Take all the money and go there. We'll be fine. They need it more. And uh, the, the freedom that he had to talk mm-hmm. about these things with no emotion or shame attached uh, was so inspiring to me. So do the monthly thing that's healthier and better for you in the long run Enjoy the fact that there might be an extra adventure for you to go on um, with the rest of us over the next few years.
1: I've kind of often enjoyed the money. We don't talk a lot about money and tithing in this church. We, um, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. Happens because I get to see the pastors squirm a bit. You know, because it's hard. The congregation generally squirms all the time, like some of you are doing now. But um, yeah, Paul is getting better at it. I must admit. Well done, <laughs> <laughs> But just so you know, I mean, I've been on eldership. Uh, here for many years, four, five, six years, I think, and then also an Oversight Eldership, which is the team that looks after the three sites. We get to guard, guide, and govern the church, um, and it's really well, I mean, the money's stewarded so well. The finances are really, really put into the right places, um, and yeah, I think the closest Paulie will ever get to a private jet is maybe if it flies over his home, you know, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not, not too far fetched because he lives up halfway up the slopes to Kilimanjaro. So maybe the <laughs> private jet will go close. But yeah, we I, I just really want to tell you, to, you know, reinforce that, that it really gets stewarded well. And what you see here, this obviously costs money, you know, to, to run this and also to provide for missions outside of what you see. So um, that tithing, yeah, you know, it's a principle I'd really encourage. And, and as Paulie said, start somewhere, start small if you have to. And it's a beautiful beautiful privilege to belt a tithe like that yeah um i'd just like to you know the church in macedonia it was a corporate giving they gave and i'm sure they had a lot of corporate prayers so if you as we close i just want to ask if you don't mind standing with with me i'd like to paul doesn't have to because we're going to pray for him but I, i'd really want to pray for the church to for us to learn to be generous um, i'd like to also pray that uh, The leaders and elders guide it well, govern it well, and then importantly to pray for this man as he goes into hard season of asking. You know, it's not the easiest to to have to ask for for big asks that that, that could uh, present themselves and uh, just for some strength for him. So if you can just close your eyes with me. Lord God, I just thank you for the message that you always make so clear that uh, we can't serve two masters and it's such a privilege and a pleasure to serve you and just right size money and put it in its rightful place. And we thank you for money. We thank you that you, you are so generous in giving it through to us just so that we can steward it. It's yours anyway and you, we just get to steward it. We ask for guidance while we steward it. We ask for open hearts to be generous and the right motivation to do it because of your generosity of what you've given us. And you love this world so much that you gave your only forgotten son, your only begotten son. I'm glad you haven't forgotten him because we haven't. That, that you have done the, the, gener- the generous thing first, the out of motivation. Our hearts uh, cannot just help but be generous from that. And I, Lord, the, the leadership of this church, the eldership, the um, just the people that serve and the help, the people that get to guard, guard and govern this church. I just ask that that you give them strength and courage and lots of wisdom, Lord, so that any funds that flow through, that they are used wisely, that they're used for your purpose, that let the Holy Spirit guide them into what these funds are used for. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for the leadership that we have got, that you've given us. You've been so generous in that way, Lord Jesus, about how you continue to give us the most amazing leaders. And one of those I'd like to pray for right now. So if you're just comfortable, why don't you reach out your, your hands while we just pray for this man, Paul. Father God, I just ask that you give him courage as, he go, as we go into the season of, of building, where we're going to build this beautiful place where people can feel you, where they can see you, and they can get to know you. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be some tough times at Paul, some tough conversations. And so ask for courage for him, for wisdom to know where to go, how to do it, Lord Jesus. I ask for people to rally around him and give him strength through this as well. So we thank you for this season, for this opportunity where we get to grow your kingdom. We praise you for this day and we praise you for all you are.